0: to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, it's Megan. Welcome back to the Built to Last podcast. Boy, do I have an incredible show for you today. I work with so many entrepreneurs who have a group program-based business model. And I'd say about, it's 50-50, about half of my clients when they come to me One of the issues that they're having inside of their program is that they aren't seeing the level of engagement and participation they'd like to see from their clients. And we all know that in order for any of our clients to get the result or meet the promise that we're making in our program... You know, it's why they joined in the first place. They they want a very particular result. Our program is promising that we're going to guide them down a pathway to get that result. We know that two things have to happen in order for that to take place. And those two things are, number one, the client must learn. And number two, the client must be engaged. And we, when we put learning and engagement together, what we get is transformation. Obviously, with the learning and engagement, that also means clients have to implement. They've got to do the work. They have to follow the plan of action that you have so eloquently and elegantly laid out for them in your program. Here's another reason why client engagement and participation is so important. It massively impacts the longevity of your company. It will have a positive impact on your ability to be more profitable. It will increase client retention inside of the actual program because if if we start seeing clients not showing up to calls over time, they become what I call a drifter. And that means you're not retaining them. And the less and less engaged a client is in the elements of your program and the modalities that you're providing and the format of how you're delivering it the less likely that client is to get the results your program is promising, which means they're less likely to be satisfied and happy with their experience in the program. So then retention starts to decrease. The other thing that higher levels of engagement is going to have a positive impact on in your business is it's going to impact client expansion and advocacy. What's client expansion and advocacy? We talk a whole lot about retention. And that's really like, you know, it's not step one. It comes after the client has really adopted your way of doing things and adopted your philosophy, whatever it is that you're training them on and teaching them on inside the program. So we've got to get through the adoption phase first. Obviously, we have to get through the onboarding phase even before that. I need to do a whole show on the client experience. So onboarding happens right after the sale. Then we go through adoption. Then you go through the phase of retention, which is just, I got to get my people to show up. I've got to get them to do the work. I've got to get them to implement so we can get them from point A to point B in this single program that they purchased. Then they graduate to expansion. What expansion means is that they start buying other offers from you. So you're probably familiar with something called an ascension model. And if you're not, essentially what an ascension model is, You've got your flagship program, and then people want the next thing from you. And you might get about 75% of the way through a program. And some of your clients, usually your best clients, they'll start asking you like, hey, what do you have next for us? What's the next step? What do we join with you next? That's a really, really good sign. That means you are doing a lot right. If your clients are asking you what's next before their contract or their program has ended. So typically what people will do is they'll create a next level program for people who are more advanced. Sometimes we hear that called a mastermind. Other times, a business owner may create and develop a certification program. You may see people create a membership program or some other type of group program or or high touch course. But basically, you're giving people a lot of other options to work with you. It could even be one-on-one consulting or coaching. It could be VIP days, it could be live events, it could be retreats, but you basically have an offer suite that people can move up and down inside of. That's called expansion. That's extending the lifetime value of your client, which is going to increase your sustainability and your profitability. There's so much focus on new, 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 acquiring new clients all the time. And that is essential. It is so important. It's vital. It's critical. Marketing and sales and acquiring new clients is so important. However, expanding clients is a lot more cost-effective and efficient in the long term. And it will actually decrease your marketing, the resources that are going out in the category of marketing and sales. Uh, The other thing I wanted to, I've said the word advocacy. So advocacy typically comes after expansion, although it can come... It it can actually come in a much earlier phase. It could come in the adoption phase of the client life experience and journey inside of your programs. Advocacy is when your clients are out talking about your brand, your company, your programs, and you on your behalf, and you're not even asking them to do that. I call that invisible marketing. They're sending referrals. They are referring They are providing you with testimonials. They're providing you with case studies. That's the level that we're really going to. Now, is every client going to retain? Are you going to have 100% for the lifetime of your business? No. Are you going to have 100% of your people expand and buy something else from you? No. You probably don't even want everybody to. That's okay. Is everybody going to turn into an advocate? No. This is where client success management really comes into play. So if you are someone who is experiencing rapid growth in your group programs and you are seeing an explosion of enrollments into your programs and you have either a single flagship program or you've got multiple programs that you're putting out there, I want to strongly encourage you to start building out your client success team you definitely need a client success director or client success coordinator, whatever you want to call that person. And you may need other people underneath that main coordinator or director to serve your clients. That person's job is to increase and elevate retention, increase and elevate expansion, increase and elevate advocacy. That's their job. If you've got A lot of clients, you as a business owner, you don't have, you don't have the time or the bandwidth or the capacity to be paying attention to those things every single day. And you literally need someone paying attention to those things and strategizing, collecting data, evaluating and analyzing that data, and then making decisions um, on the behalf of the company and the company's goals to move the company forward in the category of client success. So those are all the things that. Uh, you really installing ways for your clients to be more engaged in your programs. It's just going to have a tremendous impact. And I also believe it will decrease some of the pressure you might be putting on yourself to constantly be launching, constantly enrolling new clients, um, constantly acquiring new clients. I see a lot of people get just incredibly stressed out with that, When they're seeing too large of a percentage of people not showing up in their programs after they purchased, not retaining and not renewing or enrolling in other programs. So if you're not seeing retention, expansion and advocacy elevating with all this focus that you're putting on bringing in new clients, then, you know, we need to have a conversation about how we can get things back into a better balance for you. So I want to run through, uh, there's five different points here that I want to make. And then I'm also going to share with you, I came up with, I'm just going to list these out. And I actually think I might come up with a, a resource where I can provide you with this written resource. So stay tuned on that. I'm going to provide you with 26 different elements or ways that you can incorpor- incorporate into the format and the delivery style of your program so that it suits the needs and the preferences of more than just one type of client. And that's how a lot of us uh, typically will design and deliver our group programs. Again, whether it's a group, a mastermind, an event, a retreat, a certification, or a membership, we tend to teach and create material and then distribute that material Based on what we like best as a learner and a processor, how our brain works, how we function. Um, Look, a lot of entrepreneurs, I'd say like pretty much all entrepreneurs that have reached some degree of success are highly self-motivated. And so sometimes we don't understand why is everybody not just like us? How come people do not show up to the calls? When I'm in programs, this is how I show up. Why are all my clients not showing up like that? And then, so we know how we function and then we bestow that expectation onto every single one of our clients and not everybody functions like me and not everybody functions like you. That can also be really, really frustrating because you just don't quite get it. Doesn't everybody want to be successful? Didn't they just, you know, put down 10,000 or 20,000 or $50,000 to be in this program you know, we always hear the saying, when people pay more, they're more committed. I actually disagree with that. I think that that may force some people to show up, but then it's not necessarily like their true colors shine, but the way that they, their personality, their strengths, their weaknesses, their learning styles, their preferred processing styles, any disabilities that they have in the category of learning, all of that starts to show up after a little while and then it becomes irrelevant how much money they invested, right? Like that doesn't, the an amount of money invested does not necessarily equal skin in the game and how someone's going to show up. Because if they're forcing themselves to show up in a way that's out of alignment for them or that they, they just don't learn that way, it's not going to last very long. In fact, it, it won't even last 90 days. So, you know, let me give you a couple of other examples Um, Every once in a while, I'll talk about the difference between my husband and I. And I always use this example because Sean and I are very, very different in terms of how we process information. Our preferred learning style is different. The way we learn is different. The way we teach is different. The way we talk and distribute content is different. The way we work with others is different. The way we relate to other people is different. Um, I tend to be so much more structured, linear. I can be more logical. I really understand technology. I love systems. I love processes. I love frameworks. I can build all those things out. And I am also a trained teacher by um, trade. And my husband is very much a storyteller. He's more go with the flow. He is... I'd, I'd say he's more of an auditory learner. I'm very visual. If you put me and Sean in the same program, if that program is, is being taught towards just me and my type of learner and personality, it, you're going to lose Sean because he's the complete opposite. So if you design a program for me, you're going to lose him even if we both bought the program. Slowly but surely, he's going to stop showing up. I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to get results he may not, which means he's going to leave and he's going to go purchase from someone else who does the same thing you do, but who can accommodate his preferred processing style and his preferred learning style. And that's what a lot of people are really looking for. And I, you know, not everybody walking around on the planet or joining our programs is a trained educator or is necessarily trained on psychology or learning styles. And so they think, they're leaving for one particular reason to go find another coach. I really believe that what people are trying to find is someone who can train, teach, mentor, lead, guide, and facilitate them based on their learning style and processing style and what really works for them, their personality, all those things. Okay, so let's jump into this. I'm gonna share with you actually six, six things to consider here about the makeup of an entire group of people that are going through your program. So group programs are really easy to manage when you don't have a lot of people in them. So let's just say you've got a group program, you charge $10,000 for it. And every time you roll it out, you accept 10 people into the program. Everybody starts at the same time. Everybody ends at the same time. Awesome. You only have 10 people. You charge 10K. You made 100K. You do that four times and you only have to have 40 clients and there's your 400K. So 10 clients, you you may not have such a diverse group. In fact, you're probably not going to have a super diverse group of people when you're only accepting 10 clients in. You can manage that. Uh, Your clients probably have a little bit more access to you because there's only 10. So you have more capacity and bandwidth. And you can kind of roll with it with 10 people. That's, that's It's just not hard to do. Let's say you change that model and you are launching. Maybe you're launching every month or every other month, or you've transitioned into an evergreen model where people can join your group program at any time. Maybe you've got a sales team in place. Um, maybe you've got four group programs all running at the same time, and you've got hundreds of clients. Even when you have very specific criteria and qualifications that your clients must meet to join, you probably aren't uh, qualifying people for preferred processing style, learning disabilities, how busy they are, the time zone they're in, their personality, their strengths, their weaknesses, all the, I mean, there's so many things there. And that's probably not what you're qualifying them for. You know, if you're a business coach, you're probably qualifying them very much based on how much money they currently make, how big of an audience they have, and maybe the size of their team, which tells you nothing about how to really guide, lead, and train and teach them so that they are successful in your program. So the larger your groups become, the larger your client base becomes, the more you actually have to... Adapt and adjust your training and your entire program to accommodate for all those different levels of learning styles, personalities, disabilities in the category of learning, levels of busyness, time zones, like you name it. And you got to accommodate for it. Introvert, extrovert. We're going to talk about that, too. So let's dive into some things I want you to think about so that you can increase the level of engagement and participation you're seeing from your clients in your programs. Number one, if you want more of your clients to show up to more of the elements that you are providing them in your program, here's what your clients need to know. They need to understand why they should show up. And number two, the outcome after they show up. Okay, that's really important. I'm sorry, not sorry. It is not enough to say you're an adult, be responsible. You bought this, show up. It doesn't work. If you want to piss people off, keep saying that. If you want to keep beating um, a dead horse, keep saying that. If you want to turn people off, keep saying that. Look, I am an adult. I am a responsible adult. So are you. If you're listening to this, you're a responsible adult. At least I hope you are, right? I am self-motivated. I am highly driven. I am very ambitious. I consider myself to be a high performer, not just in business, but in every category of my life. It does not work for me, for for a, a coach or a mentor or a teacher to tell me and keep reminding me, you're an adult, be responsible. You purchase this, show up and do the work. And that's coming from somebody who Literally, I don't even need, I don't really need that much hand-holding. I don't need extra accountability. I'm still going to do it. I like all that stuff, but I'm still going to find a way to do it. And I represent a very small percentage of the population. So if I'm that driven and that motivated, and I've been very successful in a lot of my endeavors... And that those statements don't work for me. Imagine someone who isn't quite as driven as I am or doesn't think like I do or can't muster up that internal motivation no matter what. It's absolutely not working for them. Clients must understand why should I show up for this? So you need to be able to articulate that as the leader. And then they also need to understand what is the outcome going to be on the other side of doing what you're asking me to do? whether that's showing up to a live call or being in an accountability pod with their peers in the program or attending a retreat that's part of the program. Tell me how I'm going to feel on the other side of it. And especially if you're asking me to take action, don't just tell me all the action I have to take, but tell me what the benefit of that is going to be. Tell me what my life is going to be like on the other side of that. You want to infuse this into all your communication, not just when you're selling your program, but every single week when you're asking your clients to do something inside the program. Number two, I shared at the very beginning of the call, the show today, so I'll I'll kind of skim over this one. In order for transformation and change to take place, two things have to be present, learning and engagement. So right off the bat, if your clients are not showing up, if they're not engaging in, in all the elements of your program, we know that they are well below average in learning and we know that transformation more than likely is not going to take place. If those things aren't taking place, your retention goes down, your client expansion goes down, your client advocacy goes down, which means your sustainability goes down and your profitability goes down and the longevity of your business goes down and your stress level continues to rise. Uh, The third thing I want you to think about is recognizing there will be multiple personalities inside of your program. Um, I'm not a big fan of labels. Uh, If I take a personality test, which I've taken plenty of them, I score probably in like the 98th percentile of being an introvert. And that is usually a big shocker for people because I love to lead and I love to teach and I love to speak in front of a group. However, I am highly introverted. You've got people who are really extroverted. You know, I was sharing about the difference between me and my husband. My, I'm very introverted. My husband's very extroverted, which means we typically show up differently in social settings. We show up differently when we are inside of programs. We show up differently when we work out at the gym. So anytime there's people involved, we show up differently at live events. We show up very differently at live events. Now, I'm not a fan, nor do I do this, where I like lean on, well, I'm an introvert, so I can't do this. I overcome that. Uh, But not every one of your clients are going to have that type of mentality. So you've got introverts and you have extroverts. And the way that you lead and guide and even communicate with them, you have to figure out who is and who isn't. And then you also want to design various elements that cater to both the introvert and the extrovert inside of your program. Which hang on, because I'm going to get to 26 of those uh, that will cater to both. Okay, number five: uh, recognize that clients are in different time zones. So, if the main element of your program is a weekly group coaching call, and it's the same time every single week, you are knocking out everybody in a time zone that that your chosen time does not accommodate. Again, it is not sufficient from a client success management perspective for you to say, well, if you don't show up, no matter what the time zone, that you're just not committed. Do you really think that an adult who just purchased your program and, and invested thousands of dollars in it wants to hear that from the company that they just purchased from? No, they don't. Um, Time zone could be, you know, I do, um, I do third-party interviews as a consultant for my big clients. And I, I interviewed a particular client one time. She has a very successful business. She is also a single mom. And regardless of what your opinion is on that, that she was in a three-hour different time zone than the coach of the program that she's in. So the coach is in the Pacific time zone. This particular client is in Eastern time zone. And she's one of the few people in the program that is in the Eastern Time Zone. Well, the calls are hosted at I believe 2 p.m. Pacific time every time they're hosted. That's the that's the standard time for the programs. Well, that's five o'clock for someone on the East Coast. Five o'clock is sort of like closing down time. It for if you're a parent like I am, um, most of our kids, unless they stay after school for extracurricular activities, they've been home since 3:30 or 4. You know, sometimes Brighton, like we didn't pick her up from school until five o'clock yesterday because she is in the school play. So we got home at 530. But typically, if you're a mom and you're a single mom, or even if you're not a single mom, what starts happening around between five and seven o'clock? You're hanging out with the kids. You're getting all the dinner ready. You're cooking dinner. You're eating dinner as a family. So a family is and self-care and some downtime in the evenings is really important to you, and then you're the only one that your kid has there, the likelihood of you consistently going to a call that's after work hours as an entrepreneur, it goes down. So so part of that is really understanding your your clients and who the demographic is. If you're working with a corporate crowd, they're not going to come to a call in the middle of the day. So maybe you host your calls in the evening. So time zone is something that you want to take into consideration. Meaning... That doesn't mean you've got to please everyone with the time of day you're hosting your call. It doesn't mean that you've got to switch flip-flop every other week. We're going to host the call at a different time. What you can do is you incorporate a lot of other elements for that person to engage in so they can still engage and learn and transform. But maybe they're just not consuming that particular call in the program, but they can still get just as much as everybody else does because you've got lots of different ways for them to engage in your program. Um, The sixth one here is incorporate a mixture of delivery formats and styles, in the delivery of your program. This is so incredibly important. And, you know, again, with my consulting, I, I work with a lot of people who are experiencing rapid growth in their programs, who are who have made millions of dollars selling groups and masterminds and certifications and memberships. And the thing I hear all the time is, it's been working with uh, for us for the last four to five years, I'm afraid to change anything. I am afraid to release control. I am afraid that my clients are going to like it. And then they don't make adjustments, but then they're still kind of bumping up some of the same issues. So with that being said, incorporating a mixture of delivery styles and formats into your program, I am going to call out and share with you a list. I came up with a list of 26 different things, elements, modalities, tools, delivery formats, that you can include in your group program you do not have to incorporate all of these i want to be really clear about that uh do not get overwhelmed when i share this list of 26 write them down pick a few you do not have to do all of this especially if you are not a trained educator or a trained teacher this will spark some ideas for you and you're going to have ideas i didn't even share here so pick a few And again, as a consultant, this is one of the things that I help a lot of my clients do uh, because they aren't trained educators. They aren't trained teachers. They don't have a staff that's dedicated to client success management inside of their organization yet, although they're seeing the importance of that. So to them, they don't know how to roll these things out. They don't know how to keep up with them long term. So if that's something you want to have a conversation with me about, Send me a message on the easiest places, Instagram or Facebook. Let me know you heard this episode and let's take a look at your programs. Let's have a conversation about what's working, what's not, and how we can really accommodate a a lot more of your client base so that we have this positive impact on your retention, expansion, and uh, advocacy with your clients because that's just impacting your bottom line. It's impacting really the longevity of your brand. Okay, let's go through these 26 items. And again, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on each one of these. So, number one is you can incorporate video training. So, if you have a very curriculum based program, which is great, I'm all for that, you can incorporate video trainings inside of a membership portal. If you incorporate video trainings, remember, not everybody wants to sit and watch a long video. So you want to keep them short, make them bite-sized so people can easily consume those and they're not overwhelmed before they press play. I would also encourage you to include captions because some people want to read while they watch. Uh, I would also provide the transcripts of those. I am someone who reads transcripts. So if I'm in a program and there are videos for me to watch and there's a full transcript of what the video said, I will either not watch the video and I prefer reading the transcript or I will read the transcript while I listen to the video. I won't even like watch the video. Interesting, isn't it? Make sure you incorporate audio and video. Personally, I will not engage in like what's in the training portal if it's audio only. I am so distracted by that because I literally have like such a low level of learning from an auditory perspective. Um, I will do something else and it will go in one ear and out the other and I will learn nothing. If you've got audio with a transcript, I would like that because I would read the transcript while listening to the audio. But if I didn't have something to read, like there's no way I'm gonna play that and listen to it. Uh, also I would make your video training slash your audio trainings downloadable so that people can listen to them very easily on the web or mobile while they're moving around and not just sitting at a desk and a computer. Okay. Number two, this, we're going through all the delivery formats though. That was number one. Number two is live teaching. Number three, Q and a calls slash coaching calls group. So group Q and a group coaching calls. Typically, if you call it Q&A, what you're doing is coaching slash consulting. So I would use Q&A and coaching interchangeably. Number four, incorporate breakout rooms during your live training calls or coaching Q&A calls. Number five, co-working sessions. Number six, in-person events or retreats. Number seven, accountability pods. Number eight, Writing prompts or visualization prompts. Number nine, homework to practice the tools provided. Number ten, challenges, group challenges. Number eleven, health check-ins. Even if it's business, it's a business health check-in. Uh, I think I'm at number twelve, accountability. Number thirteen, tracking and measuring progress and results. Number thirteen, I think I'm losing the number now. Uh, one-on-one sessions. Number 14, client case studies. Number 15, social slash community platform. Number 16, practicing tools with each other. Number 17, written modules. Number 18, templates and checklists. Number 19, facilitating clients getting to know each other and creating safety. That should actually happen at the very beginning. Um, I think on number 18, storytelling. Number 19, an award system or a way for clients to uh, earn points. Number 20, now I've really lost the number we're on. Allowing members to do some training. Number 21, workshops, like a quarterly longer workshop. I think this is actually 25. Success milestones and 26 client success plans. Now, that was so hard for me to do because I actually lettered it A through Z and I didn't have numbers beside it. So, whatever, there's 26 of them. So, again, like I said, those are 26 different ideas. So, I want you to look at that like it's an idea bank, and what you can do is take a look at your existing group program. Out of those 26 I listed, how many of those are you actually incorporating into your into your program, the delivery of your program? Now, you do want to have quite a few of those. And here's how I want you to think about it. I want you to use me as an example. I was recently in a mindset master class that was 14 weeks long. And again, I shared with you a few minutes ago, I'm an introvert. And so if I show up to a call and it's a group call and there's 25 other people on the call and I can see them all on Zoom, I'm going to be a member of that group that is less likely less likely, not unlikely, but less likely to raise my hand, get on the mic and receive coaching and guidance and ask my questions in front of a a group of that size. And that's kind of how I went through the program. I would talk every once in a while. I obviously talk if I'm called upon. And if I had things that I really felt super duper compelled to share, I would unmute myself and I would share that and share that story of, of my own journey if I felt like that was going to be really compelling to the rest of the group. Um, So that was one element of the program. Uh, Live group calls. There were two different kinds. One was teaching calls for the first half of the call, and then ask your questions about that subject matter, the second half. And then one call a week. So there were two calls a week. It was just a bonus Q&A and coaching call. And fewer people came to that. And so that style of a call, you're incorporating training, you're incorporating Q&A and coaching, but it's the whole group and everybody's there. So your introverts are going to be quieter. Your people who don't feel as safe or as vulnerable um, are going to, are going to be quieter. Another element of this program was the social community network. This particular program used a Facebook group. I am someone who uses that, whatever that platform is, whether it's Facebook groups or something else, I love to type. um, And I love to write So I would do a lot of sharing inside of the group. I would do a lot of commenting on what other people were saying. I did a lot of reading of of what everybody else was saying. I learned a lot from that. Um, Another element of the program was incorporating, not often, but every so often, we would do a breakout room with a small group of people where we were provided with prompts. And we talked about it. We discussed it. Then you come back into the bigger group, and each group shares So that's a smaller group. Introverts love those. Um, If you're an introvert like me, you love to lead. You love to teach. You love to talk about things that you know a lot about. And so when I would go into those smaller breakout rooms, I was one of the talkers. I was the one really leading those groups. Another element of this program was what we called accountability pods. So we were all put in accountability pods. We did not select which pod we were in. A designated leader was uh, leading that group. I was one of the leaders of an accountability pod. And for 14 weeks, we met once a week and we changed pods halfway through. So something like that for your introverts and also for your extroverts, I really thrived inside of that space. In fact, it was probably my most favorite element of the program because I really love those close community, deeper connection type of conversations where we're really learning about each other in a way that you're just not going to do in the bigger setting with 25 people another element of the program was weekly homework we were provided with very um, simple and very few tools to practice every single week at home so you're really getting that teacher input You're getting guided practice. You're getting independent practice. You're getting the homework and you're getting the connection piece. So this particular instructor was really utilizing a lot of different elements into the program that catered to all the different learning styles, all the different preferred processing styles, introverts and extroverts, strengths and weaknesses. And that's really the mark of a very successful program and don't be afraid that you can't scale by having a lot of these elements. In fact, it's easier for you to scale your program when you do. So, I would love to hear your feedback on this. Um like I said, I would pick two or three of those elements that I just shared and just start testing it out inside of your programs. And if you would love to have a chat with me about how I can come into your organization and support you in exactly what I just talked about today and elevating your client engagement, retention, also adoption that comes before retention, um, client expansion and client advocacy. I would love to have a conversation with you. So hit me up on Facebook or Instagram and let's start a conversation. Until our next episode, remember to design a life and business that is built to last. See you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.